Banks takes it away from Jamon Williams. He's got a career high, the rookie from UNLV with 14 points tonight. But Banks is off to the races. Pitches in front court to Bell, and now Banks with it. Banks fakes, drives into the line. Oh, a circus shot for Marcus Banks from the belt box. Going a little backhand scoop. Just Marcus Banks puts it up in the buzzer. It's with the steal. Marcus Banks on a drive, gives it up right. Pretty play. How about a Marcus Banks? You mentioned the professionalism, and you're right on the money, man. This guy, whenever he's called upon, he does his job. What's up, everybody? Not My House Podcast is in the house with your host, Eric, and our co-host today, Zach. What's going on, Zach? Same old stuff, but today we got a special guest. Loved watching him when he was playing down in Vegas. I'm really excited today. This guy was an excellent guard from UNLV, and he was the 13th pick in the 2003 NBA draft. What a draft that was. He played eight years in the NBA. He's played overseas, and you also may have watched him in the big three, Mr. Marcus Banks. How are you doing today, sir? What's up, guys? How you guys doing today, man? Doing real good, real good. So uh, you're a Vegas kid. I, I spent a little time in Vegas. Uh, what was it like growing up for you there? Um, man, Vegas is a different place. Yep. Um, but you know, it, it was it was really really fun um, for me. You know what I'm saying? Of course, now because of the, how much the city is growing, and you know the, the 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 kids that it's producing out of Las Vegas. But it was it was really cool for me. Now, when you were when you were growing up there, and when you went to high school there, um, was Gorman the big powerhouse yet, or no? Um, man, Gorman was like. Make, they they were recruiting, yep. you know what I mean, because there wasn't your traditional school. Um, but man, like they, we were kicking Gorman's butt back in the day, <laughs> and you know they didn't they didn't have like you know the big Gorman with the 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 super feel and all that kind of stuff. Like they were actually located um, um, down by the strip. Yeah. So it was like a real, you know, it was a real, it was a real, um, you know. It was a real school. It was, it's been like scholarships and stuff, you know, from back in the day. So Gorman has definitely like built their reputation up and and it's, it's taken some time too. I went there for a hot minute when I was Mm -hmm. a junior in high school. And uh, I remember it being that outdoor campus thing and basically uh, right, right on, you know, uh, it wasn't there yet either for this, for the recruiting or whatnot, but it's the private school, the private Catholic school. So there's right. loopholes there to get, you know, to get what they did. Um, what sports, this is kind of funny because we were talking to somebody else from Vegas about this. Um, football's that sport you don't really play because of how hot it is. Um, but what sports were you playing as a kid and uh, which ones did you gravitate towards most before basketball? You know, it's, it's funny you ask, man, because, um, you know, since, you know, Allen Iverson came on, you know, um, he was on All the Smoke the other day and um, he was like, you know, they asked him, like, who was the, the the best, you know, the hardest person that you played against as far as guarding you or whatever. And he was like Marcus Banks. And, you know, for me, it, it was it was funny because um, I grew up playing football first. You did. And that was my main sport. My dad played football. He was amazing at it. And it was football and baseball. OK. And so, like I said, um, on the football field, man, I was all world. I used to average like four or five touchdowns a game. I kicked the ball, I punt the ball, I received the punts, return kickoffs, snap, long snap the ball. I played middle linebacker, free safety. 
So football was the, the sport that actually made Marcus Banks. Okay. That didn't make any sense. Okay, so yeah, so you're doing those two a days and that Vegas heat. Oh my God. <laughs> I tell you what, Vegas, if, if you want to play football, Vegas is definitely the place that you come and train in because you gotta think uh football starts in the summertime, right? Yep. So you know you got you got the um um what they call it, hell week or whatever, whatever. Like that's in what mid-June, July, you know, August, that area like that. And imagine guys playing playing football and being in that those football pads and the helmet when it's already one one ten out one ten outside. Yep. So and and back then the big water breaks that they were giving the kids now, like you have to mandatory get. We didn't get those. So it, it made us, man, like it just made us mentally tough. It made us physically, you know, tougher. And you know, my, like I said, my high school, man, my senior year, we won. Um, what was that? Six sports. We won state in six sports, which was basketball, football, baseball, track, um, and I think it was softball. Girls softball. We actually won in, and then it was another sport. But we we had a super super powerhouse when it you know coming up, and we were actually expansion school. Cimarron Memorial High School was like kind of expansion school at the time. Right. Um, predominantly all white school, but you know, like I said, we were well well coached, and we were like really, really fundamentally sound. You know what I'm saying? And then you sprinkle a couple guys like, you know, myself and Brian Lang and guys like that. And then you turn into, and you kind of turn into like, you know, one of the top schools. So that's, that was like my, you know, experience growing up here. Now we're talking like mid nineties, right? Is that correct? Man, yeah, we definitely, yeah. <laughs> I came out, I, I graduated, well, I graduated high school in 99. Okay. Um, and what people don't understand, I was only 16 and a half when I graduated high school. Oh, wow. So I did four years. I did four years of college and still ended up getting drafted lottery um, at 19 years old. And that was wow. in the same class with, you know, LeBron and Carmelo, D-Wade, Chris Bosh. So, no, nah, man, it was it was it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got because like what Green Valley barely was a school back then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, look out here in Vegas now it's 50, 60 high schools. Back then, I, it maybe was. 16 17 say, something right? like that and it was and they they called it it was like more of along the lines of sunset and then sunrise right. so pretty much Cimarron was in the sunset side and we played against the like sunrise so like that was that was kind of like you know like a east coast west coast type of a thing in las vegas yeah. and the schools that was down that way you know of course competed against the schools up this way so that was really fun growing up yeah hey when did you start getting serious about basketball Man, um, I don't know. Um, you know, I, it's nothing that I can even really like point out because, to to be honest, people don't even understand. Man, um, you know, I made it this far and I played. You know, ten plus years in the league. I came in and I heard you say earlier, "Oh, he's played eight years." Don't believe that. I came in in '03. Okay, with I got drafted in '03, and I kind of pretty much finished my career um, up in Toronto. Well, actually, in New Orleans. That's where I got this jersey. Right. Um, that was 2012, you know what I'm saying, 2013. And I flirted around with the Bulls in 2014 when um, Derrick Rose was there. Um, he got hurt a little bit. But, um, yeah, man, I, I did a little nice little time, little stint in the NBA, man. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, I always loved your game. I thought you were really unique. Um, I mean, because you're so built and so strong for a point guard, and you really took mm -hmm. pride in your defense, and you could score a lot in college too. So, I mean yeah. – 
My question to you, who are some of the guys that you studied growing up and tried to emulate your game after? Because I remember mm-hmm. at that time, there really were not a whole lot of guys like you. Um, you know what? So the guys that I, I looked at, um, it was probably like three guys. And, you know, of course, everybody wanted to be like Mike growing up. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so I pretty much looked at my my build, my body and, you know, at my size, I'm six two or whatever. And I pretty much looked at like Allen Iverson. Um, he was my favorite player. Like he's the reason why I wear number three. OK, so it was him. It was Allen Iverson, Stefan Marbury and then Baron Davis. So, of course, you know, my playing weight in the whole time I was in the NBA is like uh, 212. You know what I mean? So that was playing weight. And guys like that, like Baron Davis, that, w- that was his playing weight. So I had to figure out, you know, where would I fit in and how would I fit in? Yeah. And, you know, of course, being, you know, the best kid at your college or whatever and whatever playing wise um, and scoring the ball a lot, I had to figure out what was going to be my knack in the NBA. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not a lot of guys that play defense. Like, man, I'll be watching these playoffs now, and I'm like, oh, my God, what are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're supposed to slide in front of this guy and take a charge. So I'm along the line. I'm more along the lines of, you know, the the tougher era. You know what I mean? Where you, you're, you're physical and your physicality is, is everything. And, you know, like I said, man, I, I grew up watching, you know, Allen Iverson. And, you know, like, this guy's tough as nails. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, of course, you look at Stephon Marbury, go back to Georgia Tech. You know, he was a monster and, you know, he was more of a big guard. And then, of course, Baron Davis grew up over here on the West Coast. And, you know, he was just like one of my favorites ever. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's that's pretty much how I, you know, patted my game behind those guys. Well, and I love that answer because we get it every once in a while from guys. And mm-hmm. they always say everybody can score. What can, yeah. what can I do differently to make yep make me stick out. So I love that you gave that answer. And, and, and I'm an East coast guy, man. And, and Steph was one of those New York city point guards, man. Oof, you got to be nice and him, Kenny Anderson, you know, there's, yeah. Guys. Yeah. I mean, K- K- Kenny Anderson had a big part, like, you know, guys like Rod Strickland, Nick Van Exel, yep. like those are definitely the guys that are like, I watched, but if you look at, you know, guys like Allen Iverson, they had more of a handle, you know what I mean? Their handle was better than, you know, the older you get, those guys didn't really have too much of a handle. Now you see all the kids. Now everyone can dribble the ball and, you know what I mean, shoot the ball and stuff like that, being really skilled. So, you know, I, I, I padded my game pretty much around, you know, like I said, Allen Iverson, which had a major crossover. He bought the crossover out. Uh, Baron Davis was kind of a big guard. So I kind of took the big guard mentality. And you know how explosive, um, um, you know, Stefan Marbury was. So, like, I kind of – I worked on everything, and I put all of that all in one and was able to – you know, I got drafted 13, and, you know, that was everything for me and my family. And, yeah. of course, the city of Las Vegas because, you know, I'm pretty much the first kid born and raised from Vegas and, you know, to get that opportunity. And what people don't understand, man, I only played one year of high school um, because, of course, you know, I grew up – I had troubles with, with grades. You know what I mean? So – um, I think my junior year, man, I focused and I, I went to summer school. And like when I tell you, I, once I put it all together, like I didn't have a clue. I wasn't thinking about going to the NBA or doing anything. I'm the first kid in my family to go to college. Yeah. I mean, so me making it to college was way more than enough for me and my family. You know, something that we can, you know, thrive on and build off of. So, you know, that was pretty much it. Yeah, and you know, you said you only played one year of high school, but mm-hmm. what about AAU? Did you play AAU at all? 
still never played AAU. I played on an all-star team, which was a, you know, a Vegas all-star team, which, which was I was talking about earlier, uh, Sunset versus Sunrise. Of course, I was on the Sunset team. And that was all really the exposure that I got. And for me, going to UNLV and playing against, you know, Texas, and you know at the time TJ Ford was, you know, yeah. the top point guard. So he was a top point guard pretty much on, you know, the East Coast and down South or whatever. And on the West Coast, I was the man. You know, what people didn't understand, I got defensive player every single year in college. You know, like my first two years, I actually went to Dixie, Dixie State, which is a junior. It was a junior college at the time. And like I said, I graduated at 16 years old. At the time, Las Vegas had, um, I don't know if you guys remember his name, Bob Mark Dickel. Remember Mark Dickel? And I at the time, name, yeah. yeah. So he led the, he was leading the country in assists at the time. You know what I mean? And he was only like a, a junior maybe. So Billy Baino recruited me and you know what they did, him and my parents, they had something worked out, man. And I, and I wasn't going to UNLV. I hated UNLV growing up because <laughs> of course it's, it's in your hometown. So, you know, not too many kids want to stay home. You grew up here or whatever. So I wanted to leave. And at the time, like my favorite schools was like Michigan, and of course, North Carolina and, you know, like Kentucky and stuff like that. And I think uh, Billy Tubbs, what was it? Billy Tubbs um, was a coach at Kentucky then. So I was getting recruited by, yeah, I was getting recruited by those guys a lot. Um, and I wanted to go to UCLA. You know, that was that was like the main school that I probably wanted to put my hat in. But as you noticed at the time, I was like one of the athletes. And I was talking to Steve Lavin the other day. You know, his birthday was like like last month or so. And I would have been the first junior college guy to go to UCLA because, you know, they don't they don't accept junior college guys. But yeah, no, they didn't at the time. They didn't. You know, so that was that was a big deal for me, too. But no, nah, man, I, I didn't want to go to UNLV. Um, but, you know, I, I looked at it like, well, what about my family? You know what I mean? Like I need to give them an opportunity to, you know, see me play for a couple extra years or whatever and ended up coming here, man, and kicking some butt. And uh, that's how I got that opportunity. Do you yeah. me asking, who was your coach um, when you played for UNLV? Because I know in the the late 80s, early 90s, you know, UNLV was just off the charts basketball-wise. Yeah. And I know Tark was the guy there. Right. Uh, who did you have as your coach? Charlie Spoonhour. Okay. Charlie Spoonhour. And, you know, he came from St. Louis. So at the time, he was um, – his first NBA guy that he got in into the league was Larry Hughes. Okay. So he already kind of understood like what he needed to do to get me to that next level. And, you know, like I said, man, coach spoon was really, really tough on me. He was really tough on me. Um, no matter if I was perfect and, you know, I was, I was a great kid. I never got in trouble. I wasn't, you know, the kid he had to worry about first off, cause my dad was a monster at the time. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> It's like, look, you're going to go to school. This is an opportunity. And what you're going to do, that's it. You know what I mean? Other than that, you're going to spend time with your family. So, you know, with him being really strict on me, him and Coach Spoon, you know, actually got together. And actually, you know, uh, John Thompson. Was it John Thompson? Not John Thompson. Who, who was the coach that was at um, USC? Oh. oh. You, you, he, he ended up being our athletic director. So I got to like, remember, we were talking about football. Remember, we were talking about football. I actually got a chance to get a scholarship for both. Okay. So um, Spoon Hour met, um, my dad met, I, I sat down in a meeting and then it was, 
Was it John? Oh my God! Well, right. I think it's Thompson because he was he ended up coaching for the Rams too. That's exactly who it was. Yeah. yeah. So we sat down and he was like, "Look, you know, we want Marcus to play. Pretty much, they wanted me to play safety. You know, what I mean, for you know the team." And I was like, "At the time, you got to think safety wise. I'm six two. You know, I weigh two fifteen as a safety, and I I was a head buster at the time. Like I didn't care about pain. I was just really physical. And right. So they were like, "Man, we need to get this kid on the staff." You know what I mean? Like on the on the on the team. So like my dad went in there and you know he tore his knee in high school because he you know of course he played running back. And you know back then they didn't have the technology that they do now. You know kids get hurt now they're back in a month with a with a with a knee injury. You know what I mean? So of course back then you know he he tore his knee back then and just now you know when I made it to the NBA, you know got it to the point where he you know he can have a total knee replacement and stuff like that. So. You know, it was it was it was that kind of situation. So it was really fun, though. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, in college, you mentioned how you got all those defensive player of the years, but I mean, mm-hmm. you're also a great scorer too. And I think people forget yeah. about that in college because I mean, you shot over fifty percent. And yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the Mountain West was solid that year. I think they had like Travis Hansen at BYU. I mean, there was oh, like oh my gosh, of, yes, yeah, they yeah. had some great Mountain Travis West. Spivey, Travis Spivey was at Utah. You had Kawhi was a baby. Like, he, I think he was a baby at the time. Um, um, who was it? Danny Granger. Oh, yeah. Was at yeah. San Diego State. Yeah. Um, who else did you have? Um, who was Rafael Rogio, right? Uh, yep. Raph, yeah. Raph was there. Then they had a kid at Wyoming, a, a big African kid. I can't remember his name. Uh, but not Bob Mute. It was – or something like that but like he was he was ranked to go to the NBA and you know like being over here in the Mountain West and not like a super super big conference um you know it was just really competitive they were really really coached uh really well over in this area you know Rick Majerus was the coach over at Utah yeah um so like the the teams are man the teams was really really tough And, and also you had New Mexico State um who they who was the coach over there was it Menzies I think I can't, I can't forget. I mean, there, it was so stacked back then. I mean, oh my really, gosh, yeah. I mean, because some funny. of the, yeah, because some of the great teams didn't make the tournament, and you guys were one of yep. them. So, I mean, my yep. question to you is: getting those defense player of the years, averaging twenty, shooting over fifty yep. percent. How confident were you going into the, the NBA draft? And I mean, that was an unbelievable draft. So, so I mean, with with my experience, man, I really didn't know too much about the NBA draft or none of that. Like, I didn't think in a million years I was going to get drafted. Um, but my family, somehow, everyone knew. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just played basketball. I stayed focused on, you know, what I was doing and, you know, enjoying my little time there. And, you know, the sky was the limit pretty much. Um, but as far as when I actually knew, um, you know, I, I hired an agent, of course, me and my family, and the guy's name was Mike Higgins. And I only had one agent, you know, throughout my entire career. And, you know, once I signed with him, he put me in California, which, you know, D-Wade, you know, came over because we were all under the same, you know, agency. So you had Kirk Heinrich, uh, you had D-Wade, you had um, Nick Collison, um, uh, Ruben Douglas was there. Um, You had Jason Gardner from Arizona at the time. You remember how good he was? He was nice. Amazing. You had Jason Gardner. You also had... um, Kirk Heinrich was in, in camp with us. Uh, TJ Ford was in camp with us. Um, so once they put us all over there in L.A., man, it was pretty much like they rolled the ball out. 
So with me getting drafted 13, so I'll tell you guys the story how it worked out. They wouldn't even let me work out with the rest of the guys because you got to think it was five point guards taken before me. Right. I demolished every last one of them. Like when I tell you, like when it was time for scouts to come into the gym for the workouts, they were like, hey, Banks, you know what? You you work out later because I was <laughs> giving these guys hell, guys. Like when I say Love it. I wasn't letting them bring the ball up the court. Every time they bring it, I'll rip them, go dunk it. Remember, I was defensive player of the year. I was, And that was when you can be physical. Yeah. So I used to cut these guys off and force them to their weak hand and stuff like that. And I was just taking advantage. So that's how my stock ended up rising because, you know, me going to a smaller school, I wasn't supposed to get drafted maybe the end of the first round. Right. So what happened was I ended up, man, I worked out for two teams. You want to know those two teams? Absolutely. You only worked out for two teams? Look. Wow. If I'd have worked out for any more teams, I would have took those guys' position. But remember, the way it works is you're um, – we were in the same kind of agency, you know what I'm saying, which was SFX. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And like I said, we were all together, and it's pretty much like stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can kind of tell you guys now that we're down the line, but the only two teams I worked out for was the Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. So, and, and that's the story for later on in the show. But, um, man, when I tell you, I went, my first workout was with the Celtics, right? They had the entire staff down there working out with me. It was just me. And I'm talking, they were just trying to figure out all the deficiencies that I had and, you know, what I needed to work on. Guys, I went over there. I didn't miss a shot. Wow. Like, I didn't miss a shot. You know, they had the other four guards in there. That, man, I demolished everybody. So they were like, wait a minute. We need this kid. <laughs> So, you know, Danny Ainge, which I'm the first guy he's ever drafted, like when he became GM. Yeah. Um, man, I, I just I just took him by storm. Danny Ainge sat down with my father, my mother, and, you know, my agent was like, look, when he goes over to work out for the Lakers, uh, Marcus, I want you to come up lame. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, come up lame. And he was like, well, I need you to fake an injury. So me not knowing, and of course, you know, my, my family, those guys are Laker fans. And then, of course, a lot of people are Boston Celtics fans, great organizations. Um, I, I did exactly what was told. So if you notice, I got drafted lottery, but I didn't show up to the draft. Could you imagine me showing up in the, the green room? The guy's like, what is he doing here? You know what I mean? So now and, and how it works is if all 32 teams or whoever seen was like, wait a minute, he's here for a reason. Maybe this, these guys are hiding him. You understand? So, yeah. like, for me, they made me stay at home. And they were like, look, just have, have a little draft situation with your family. You're guaranteed going to go at 13 because the Lakers actually picked at 21. And they couldn't do anything to, to actually, you know, jump up and grab me before the Celtics did at 13. But it's, it's funny, and to get back to that story, um, maybe like my third year, um, and this is a Kobe Bryant story. So he ended up, you know, coming down to Boston. We were we were gonna play against those guys, and um, this is when they want they they went on that their, their first three 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 rings. You know what I mean? Like well, I don't know what era what era that was, but I think this is when they got the championship then. So Kobe he comes down, and I'm at home, and he like he he called like his assistant or someone you know called my house. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm playing the video games. I think we were playing Madden at the time, right? So we're sitting there and we get a call and it's like, my cousin is like, hey, Marcus, uh, 
this is Kobe Bryant's people, and you know they they want you to come down and shoot pool with Kobe. And if everybody knows Kobe, he's a real private guy. You know what I mean? God rest rest his soul. Um, but you know they pretty much sent him down to recruit me. You know what I mean? Because in Boston, like I said, um, I was playing behind Gary Payton. You know what I mean? Over there, I really didn't get a chance to be who I was at UNLV. You understand? Because I was always playing behind veteran guys. And if you know Boston, they're not rolling out the carpet for you your first two years, three years or whatever. You got to pretty much show and prove and things like that. So, um, man, he came down. So I ended up going down to the rack, right? And, you know, we ended up, you know, shooting pool. And, like, we were there for hours. And I never understood until, you know, later on, you know, he was like, man, you know, we we recruiting you. And, you know, I was the guy that actually got him to come and play in the Drew. You remember the Drew League in Los Angeles? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was the guy that he was talking to when he was setting the list, when he was like, it's me, Mike. Oh, wait, he said it's it's me, Wilt, then Mike or something. One of those orders. So if you guys go back and look at that, like, and they kind of been replaying it as of late, like, I was the person who he was talking to. (laughs) <laughs> like no it, it was it was so cool man um that you know now i have the understanding you know like of you know recruiting process in the nba and how you know those kind of things work but yeah man he came down there and recruited me and you know like i said remember i got traded to the lakers people don't even know i got traded to the lakers for gary payton so it was me chris mim and chucky atkins you guys remember chucky atkins and chris mim played for the lakers oh yeah i was a part of that trade so at the end of the day, Boston asked for me back because Gary Payton wouldn't take his physical. Yep. Want to come to, of course, the freezing cold in Boston. Made <laughs> it so tough. So Danny Angel was like, you know what? Okay, cool. You guys keep Chucky Atkins and Chris Mims, but we want Marcus Banks back. So, man, when I tell you I was so sour about it, I didn't want to go back because you got to think how the locker room was. You guys just gave me up. You traded me. Obviously, you didn't want me. Okay, you traded me on national TV. What do I do coming back? So, like, man, like, that was a lot of stuff that I was dealing with, you know, the first three, four years, you know what I'm saying, of my career. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's a funny question I want to ask you really quick, and we're just going to kind of backtrack to your rookie year. Yeah. Um, because you came in as a confident rookie, I felt like. But what yeah. about the rookie duties? I mean, did you have any rookie duties? Like, do you have any good rookie stories? You have to like get Vin Baker, the newspaper, Paul Pierce's okay. donuts. Okay. Okay. So look, we we'll start. I'll start with Vin Vin Baker, and then I'll <laughs> go to um, Paul Pierce, and then I'll go to Antoine Walker. <laughs> so this is how it happened. Of course, um, when I get there, you know, I'm a rookie or whatever, and you know, of course, the hazing thing is this real. So we didn't have to really deal with it too much. You understand? So for me, the vet that I wanted to be, like I wanted to be his rookie was um, Paul Pearson. This is how I actually gravitated to the veteran that I'm going to tell you guys a story about. So one day, Paul Pearson, he don't even know this story. And, and, you know, I, 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 this is probably my first time telling it on air. Okay. So, one day he's up in the morning. It's probably maybe eight o'clock in the morning and um, he's in the gym working out. So I come over to the practice facility and I see him, you know, I came over there to get some shots up or whatever. And you guys know Paul is kind of a, you know what I'm saying? Weird. He, he kind of a weird guy, but you know, he's a good guy. Yeah. So 
I've been listening to all the stories growing up, like, you know, you got to choose your vet, like who you want to be your guy. So he's up there running on the treadmill. And this is no lie, guys, right hand to God. So upstairs and it's two treadmills upstairs and maybe elliptical or, or an inversa climber, something like that. We didn't have like a super weight room at the time, you know, all that stuff. So he's running and you can just hear him. He's on a treadmill, right? Going crazy. So I stood there and was kind of leaning up against the next, you know, treadmill or bike or whatever. So I'm like, hey, what's up, P? How you doing, man? Like, you know, what's good? So he's just running. Boom, boom. You can just hear him on the treadmill, right? <laughs> Wouldn't even say anything to me. So I'm like, hey, uh, you know, would you like to? And he he yelled at me. He was like, man, what do you want? Man, get out from, like, what are you doing? Like, man, go get you some work in. Only thing I was waiting for, guys. I was waiting for him to take me under his wing and just be like, hey, Rook, I'm, all, I'm just getting some extra conditioning in. Jump on his treadmill next to me. I would have ran through the wall for Paul Pierce. Right. But he shooed me like I was a little fly on the wall. So that kind of broke up me, my relationship with Paul. I never really looked at him the same. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm going to give you one more quick one. We're in the game. We're in Chicago. And um, we're on a fast break. I got him and Antoine Walker on each wing. I'm a rookie. Okay. And at the end of the day, you go to the guy who has a better chance of finishing the play. Right. Man, I it was a great pass, a great play. I dished it to Antoine Walker. He finished the play. We ran back down the court. Paul cussed me out. Oh, shit. I don't give a who you are. Blah, 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 blah. When you up here, I don't care who on the other side of the wing. You give me the ball. So I'm like, I'm like, Pete, like, the bucket was made. Like, we scored the the, the basket. I don't care. I'm talking about so the whole fourth quarter, right? And this is where Doc come into play, right? And he was so brand new at the time. So I'm the point guard on the team. Paul wouldn't let me bring the ball up the court. So whenever, like, guys took the ball out to give it to me, he was like, no, you know, fuck that. Like, give it to me. He ain't getting the ball. So do you understand they took me – Doc Rivers took me out the game because I couldn't control the team. Jeez. So do you understand how stubborn Paul Pierce was? And this is back in the day, guys, like when that that mentality of, you know, the veteran leadership, and it's 100% different now. That's why I commend guys like, um, you know, LeBron James – you know what I mean? Like Carmelo Anthony for being vets and stuff and, and taking these young guys under their wing because they don't really have a clue what's going on. Yeah. So as that happened, right? So we're, we we leave Chicago, we go to New York. So, and this is how I came up with my vet, right? And this is who I was like, oh my God, like, thank you. So Antoine Walker, right? He called my night, my room one night. It's like 12 in the morning. Right. And I'm sleeping or whatever, whatever. And all those guys had just, you know, they hang out, whatever, whatever. So, you know, I'm from Vegas. So none of that stuff even I'm from Vegas. My city doesn't even close. Yeah, it's a 24 hour city. Yeah, so going out <laughs> in a little spot like I'm like, ah, you guys got it. So I'm, I'm in the room and, you know, I'm, I think I was maybe dozing off or something. So I, my phone rings. So I'm like, hello, it's Antoine Walker. Right. So he's like, hey, uh, Brooke, what you doing? So I'm like, I'm. I'm not doing too much. I'm just, I'm just chilling. So he's like, um, I need you to do a favor for me. 
come down to the room. So I get there, right? And this is um, when he was dating Evelyn. You guys remember her? I don't know. Okay, so you know Evelyn, like I think she was, she in, like she, you would know, you just gotta Google her, whatever, right? <laughs> so he was like, I need a favor from you. And this is before Uber and all that. And we're in New York, so you have to jump in a taxi or whatever. So he was like, I need you to um, walk her to the corner store and I need you to get her, you know, some, some personal things. So I don't know if he was trying to see like, would I do it or whatever, whatever. So I was like, okay, no problem. So ended up doing it, getting back to the hotel, right? So he, he, he's like, I'm gonna call you in a second. I got to my room, he, he gave me a phone call. So I was like, hey, what's up, Tuan? How you, what's good? So he's like, well, hey man, um, in the morning, I'm gonna call you. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna take a ride, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. So in the morning, like it's like after, after shoot around or something like that. So I get back to the room, we're just chilling. I get this call from Tuan, he's like, look, meet me downstairs in the lobby. I'm gonna have the limo outside. I want you to take a ride with me. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I go downstairs, it's me, him, and Evelyn in the car. So I get in the car, we went to the Gucci store, <laughs> right? So we go inside, and I'm sure you guys heard stories about Antoine Walker and, you know, how he took care of, you know, his people or whatever, whatever. Yeah, generous dude, yeah. So I get in there, we go to the Gucci store, we pull up. So he's like, hey, um, young fella, and, and he's in there, he's taking care of her, like buying a couple things out of Gucci. So he's like, hey, um, young fella, you, you want something? I'm like, no. Nah. Like, man, look, I'm in the NBA now. I don't need anything. You know what I mean? Like, I got my own. So he was like, uh, man, at least get a pair of shoes and a belt, right? So he called a lady over. She's like, uh, what would you like to see? So I'm like, okay, I'll see that. So I was like, okay, cool. He bought the, the shoes and the belt for me, right? So the lady, is that all? She was like, is that it? He was like, no. He was like, this is my, this is my young fella. Every pair of shoes on the wall, every backpack, every single belt, he's like, get him everything. So at the time, yeah. it's like 15, 20 pair of shoes, right? I'm talking about every single color. So he bought all the shoes. He was like, a matter of fact, we don't want any bags. Ship it to his house, right? So yeah. I'm talking, bro, I've never had a pair of Gucci shoes in my life. And thanks to Antoine, he's the one that got me fucking Brian. Brian is crazy now, right? So he gets me everything on the wall, man. I get back to the house. Everything's in the boxes, blah, 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 everything, right? So I'm looking at him like, bro, like you just spent like 10 racks, you know what I mean, on me with backpacks and this and that. And remember at the time, Gucci was expensive, but a shirt, it was like $100 or $200 or something. It was pretty cheap. And so it was shoes. Bro, we left there. We went to the Louis Vuitton store. Give him everything on the wall. Like every belt, every pair. So we leave there. We go to Prada store. Give him every color Prada, every, to the point where I still have this stuff today, still in boxes. I haven't even got a chance to even wear it. Jeez. Like I'm talking about, he completely, you know, took care of me. So I ended up gravitating to Antoine and he big brothered me. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? So like that was how like our relationship, you know, just came and just jumped out of the roof, man, and, and, and things like that. But like to make a long story short, you know, that was how I, you know, took my my rookie hazing. Like I really didn't get any of it because I was Twan's guy. Yeah. You understand? And Twan made it so easy. He wasn't, you know, when you rookie haze a guy's kind of belittling them. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, Tom was like, man, look, I don't need you to wash my drawers or, you know, <laughs> take my shoes to the game. Because, you know, we had people that do all that. Right. But if it was little stuff like, hey, man, I need you to take a ride with me, you know, I was like, okay, I'll jump in the car with you. Like, for me, that was all the rookie hazing that I got, you know what I'm saying, at the time. So, yeah, that was my quick story for that. And that, I mean, that says a lot, a lot about Tuan too, because, you yeah. know, he gets a, he got a pretty tough rap from the media and you, you yeah. always hear stories about him taking care of guys, but I've never heard anything on that level. I mean, that's incredible. Bro, just, that, not even to cut you off. Like, I don't know if you guys know a kid by the name of Justin Reed. He, he yeah. was actually on the Celtics, right? He died maybe like God rest his soul, uh, maybe like five years ago. Right. He was on a rookie deal and wasn't drafted, whatever the situation was, making a couple hundred thousand. Man, Twan was bought a new truck. I'm talking about a new Range Rover, new everything, right? Justin didn't have nothing. He had a great outstanding game, right? Man, Twan, after the game, gave him his brand new, brand new truck. I'm talking like hundred thousand dollar car, like whatever. Like Twan was, look, I'll be the first to tell you, man. Twan made the veteran thing in the NBA for me, that's how all that should be. I'm not saying spend your money or whatever, but just understand these young guys coming into the league, man, looking for help. Right. Any kind of help that they can get, you know what I mean? Any kind of guidance that they can get. That's why the veteran leadership on these teams now is, is so amazing. It's so great. You know what I mean? Like, that's why it was a good time back then, man. It was really fun. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. And, you know, I, I got another fun question for you. And uh -huh. I love asking this because we always get great answers. But what was your welcome to the league moment? And what I mean by that was who's the first guy to really burn you to where you're thinking, like, holy shit, I'm in the NBA. Because, I mean, you're a great defender. I mean, did you have, did you ever have that moment? Nope. Nope. Yeah. This is I'm the just, thing, man. Like, I had, I had no – like, this is to be honest, and, and I could tell you guys this now, I didn't even get a chance to reach my full potential. You understand in the NBA, um, but like I had no. When I tell you no fear, what who was gonna burn me? I'm I'm two fifteen, right. and at the time I'm running maybe a four four low. Almost I'm telling you I could could have pushed a four three forty at the time, but I was quicker, stronger, faster. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like when I first came in, I just couldn't shoot as well. You know what I mean? That I could you know as later on in my career, but when it came to lacing up, man, I, I demolished, I'm talking a lot of guys. Yeah. You know, like even, even along the line, like playing with Steve Nash, like, you know, me, I was on the team where we were supposed to win the championship. Um, when we had Grant Hill, I'm talking, uh, Amari Steinmeier, uh, Sean Marion, Steve Nash, Roger Bell, Leandro Barboza, Kurt Thomas, um, who else was on that team that was good? Uh, uh, Jalen Rose was on our team. Yeah, and Dial um, too, young Dial and. Yep, Boris Dial was on the team at the was, time. Was, was Dragic um, on that team? Young Dragic? No, 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 no. He came maybe a year, year or two after. 
Yeah. Uh, once I got traded to Miami for Shaq to come, that's when Shaq came to New Phoenix. Yeah. Man, when I when I tell you, we had an unbelievable team, like unbelievable team, man. That we were supposed to win it, and if you guys remember, uh, we were up on the Spurs, and they ended up winning championship that year. We were up on the Spurs two one, and um, we had two games to go back in Phoenix. So we actually beat the Spurs at home. You know what I mean? And then we had two games in Phoenix. And that's when Robert Ory hip checked Steve. Yeah. And Amari Steyermeyer got up off the bench. Uh, I think it was maybe Kurt Thomas or something. And, you know, we lost the momentum, in, you know, in that series. And that's how they ended up beating us. But, like, man, when I tell you it was no team that I played on, like the Phoenix Suns and playing with, you know, with Steve Nash when he was in his prime when he got those MVPs. And I, I would definitely take credit, you know what I'm saying, for that and not – in a cocky way, but man, I, I press Steve every day. Like everything that you're talking about, you know, what I did in college, I did it to Steve. And when I tell you Dan Tony hated it, he hated it to the point where he <laughs> called me in the office, right? And at the time I'm like 25 years old, 26. We sat down and he's like, Marcus, he was like, sit down, son. He was like, I've never seen a, a point guard you know, it's physical and, you know, play defense and it's fast. And this is when I'm coming into my own and I understand who I am. I just signed a five-year deal with Phoenix. And, you know, when I tell you, um, man, he was like, look, no matter what you do, you cannot demolish the heart and soul of the team, which was Steve Nash. You know what I'm saying? And if his heart is broken, the entire team heart is broken because if you remember – Steve Nash helped get all those guys their contract, like Roger Bell, you know what I'm saying? Barbosa, Amari Stoudemire made a living with Steve Nash. You see what I'm saying? Boris Diaw, he taught Boris Diaw. You got to think, Leandro Barbosa. Like me and Steve, we were the only people on the team that can create our own shot. Yeah. But I mean, so it it was really tough. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I remember those. Those teams were amazing. And plus, in the West, the West was really tough back then. Yeah, really, 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 really tough, man. Really tough. No joke at all. Um, Speaking of players that we're talking about, and thanks so much for giving us all these tidbits. This is honestly an amazing conversation. Um, Kevin Garnett, talk to us about Kevin. Is is the – I mean, he's an intense guy. Are are the the intensity stories blown out of proportion, or is he really that – You know what, man? When I play with – so I got a chance to get Kevin Garnett before he came to Celtics, Kevin Garnett. Okay. And, man, look, with this guy, man, We're talking he was Minnesota. more – go ahead, I, I'm sorry? Minnesota, right? Yeah, when I was in Minnesota, before I signed with Phoenix. So with Kevin Garnett, man, he was so – I don't want to say spiritual, but, like, bro, it's a game. We'll go to – we're sitting in the locker room going through the game plan – and Kevin Garnett will be sitting in the corner and it, his eyes will be closed. And, you you know, we had uh, Coach Casey on the board drawing up the, the like, our game plan. Man, Kevin Garnett would be sitting there with his eyes closed. And I never understood, like, what was going on. Was it because he knew the game plan already? He studied it the night before? Or was it like, you know, like, I don't got to pay, pay, pay attention to it because I'm Kevin Garnett. But either way it went, man, like, look, this guy was a freak. And he never got a chance to um, max out his potential in Minnesota. 
You know what I'm saying? Because he was so loyal. They never brought the help up there that he needed. Of course, yeah. nobody was le- – at that time, no one really was leaving their teams either. Yeah. You know, it was a time where he was like, you know what, I'm going to stay on this team for 10 years if I can. Yeah. And that was kind of before the team up, super team era too. Yeah. 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 yeah, because remember, he left Minnesota that following year, and this is the reason why I left. Because you got to think, that year when I played in Minnesota was what, what got me, you know, my big contract with Phoenix. And, you know, I played – man, when I tell you the last 40 games, I was averaging 18 a game. I was averaging, like, maybe eight assists, make two or three steals. Like, I should have stayed in Minnesota. But I sat down with Kevin Garnett, and I was like, um, you know, Ticket, what's going on, man? Like, what – what should I do? He was like, young fella, I'm going to tell you the truth. He's like, you know, if, if you got uh, other options and, you know, you can go and get your money, go get your money. He was like, because I'm not planning on being here. And at the time it was, you know, he had on the team, me, Ricky Davis. Um, this is when Rashad McCants was a rookie. Um, uh, Trent Hassel. Uh, Marco Yark was there. Um, what's the guy named the hustle guy that played for the Lakers? Uh, um, white kid, um, Mark, Mark Madsen. Madsen, Mad Dog, Mark yeah. Madsen. So Mad Dog was he was he was my bet over there too. Great guy. Um, we had Mark Blunt on the team. We had um, Eddie Griffin was there. Um, who else was there? You guys have Hoiberg that year. It, yep, Hoiberg was on our team. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, we, had, we had a solid team, um, but everyone were kind of trying to figure it out at the time. And, you know, of course, Coach Casey stayed there a little while longer. Like, man, that was probably the, the, the best coach that I had that allowed me to be Marcus Banks. And if you can go back to that time when I was in Minnesota and actually watch the game and stuff, like I, I demolished a lot of people, you know, up in Minnesota. So yeah. that, was, that was cool. That was really cool. How, how hard was it? And I know it's a business and I know uh-huh. you have money. How hard was it to be traded a couple times? How how much does that affect an NBA player's psyche not having like a home base? Tell us about that. Um, and how'd you oh, find man, out look, too? <laughs> it, it was so I, I got traded. I, I, let me see. I got I went from Boston to Minnesota. Um, and I and I didn't get traded from Minnesota. I made a decision to sign with Phoenix. Okay. Um. I got traded from Phoenix my second, like, I was there for two and a half years. And, of course, that's when they was figuring out, like, we need a big man. We need a big man. And Sean Marion was asking for a crazy amount of money. And they were like, well, look, let's trade and try to get a big. So they got Shaquille O'Neal. So um, I went to Miami with Sean. Then we ended up getting traded for Jermaine O'Neal in Toronto. You understand? And then after that, man, like it, it just became, you know, so much of business, like it it kind of stirred my stomach as far as like it ruined it ruined the basketball part of the NBA for me. And it, it let me really know that it's a hundred percent like I, I tell my family all the time, it's probably 80% business, 10% goes to the player, and that's actually being out there on the court. And the other 10% is for the fans immediately. So, like, it, it, it it's not basketball like, you know, you would think like in college, like, may the best man win. You, you roll the ball out there, put the best player on the floor. 
Yeah. It wasn't that. Like I, I never got an opportunity um to really showcase my talent um after I left I wanna say uh Minnesota. So I, yeah. I struggled for the, the rest of the, the ten years that I played. I, I struggled because, you know, of course all the guys knew, you know, what kind of talent I had, but no one can really figure out like, wait a minute, why ain't this kid playing? And yeah. You know, like I said, I got caught up in the money deal. Like, I got traded with Sean Marion three times. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I made five and a half, six million a year. And it was more along the lines, like, we got to do this deal to make the money work. So when you go to the NBA, man, one thing you have to be, you have to have a strong mental. You have to have a great backbone and with your family. And then your agent has to be rock solid. You know what I mean? Of course, now today is a different time. But, you know, back then, man, like, you know, only thing I wanted to ever do was play basketball and figure out a way to stick with a team. Like, that's the pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure. Like, because you don't know if you're going to be here today or tomorrow. Look at the kids that played with, you know, LeBron last year on the Lakers. Could you imagine all those kids knowing they're going to get traded but just not knowing when? When right. to pack your clothes up, when to tip. Like, it sucks because it's like, damn, I really want to be here, but, you know, you guys are shopping for more. So it kind of downgrades, like, you know, you come to practice and you kind of go through the motions. Me, the difference was, the difference was I took it, I took the offense part. So I took it out on my teammates. Like, you know, guys like Steve and stuff, like I knew they, they, were, they wasn't going to let me play, right? So what I did, I showed them who I really was. You know what I mean? Every day. And that's, I challenged, I maybe barked up the wrong tree. You know what I mean? That's how I got traded, you know, to Miami when, like I said, we had a great team, you know, but the pressure, you know, of the game, man, it just takes away from, you know, a, a lot of the, the basketball part. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's funny because we'll have certain guys on that have told us, like, they play the guys that make them more money. No, I Absolutely. Listen, I mean, I didn't play behind guys, man, that, you know, I'm so like, I'm just, I was just upset. Like I went, when I went to Toronto, right. I was supposed to, you know, come in and maybe have a chance to play, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. I played behind Jose Calderon <laughs> and not nothing against Calderon because like I said, he was a great guy, but you got to think he stayed injured and he was just a solid, you know, I don't make mistakes, but he's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to get you over the hump because of, he's just not that kind of guy. He's yeah. too safe, right? He's, too safe. Safe. he's yeah. that's the great, that's a perfect analogy, man. He was so safe, but guess what? He averaged eight, nine assists. Well, yeah. if you're guaranteeing this guy 30 minutes a game, 38 minutes a game, and you leaving me with the little 10, what can I do in 10 minutes? And it's not like I'm playing 10 minutes straight. I'm playing four here, three here, the end of the game, minutes two here. You understand? So, like, it, it, it's, it's, man, it's, it's really, really tough. I played I play behind some guys, like, oh, that had better agents than me. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's a big factor. You know, yeah. depending on who your agent is, how popular, who, um, who he actually is representing in the league, like, all that stuff comes into play. Like, when I say, guys, it's a business, and, you know, a lot of people don't understand it, in order to get drafted, you got to be in the right place at the right time. 
You know, you got to be doing the right thing. Like they they do background checks on you like you're a criminal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, you everything has to line up. The stars definitely have to line up. Yeah. yeah. Now it's crazy because as fans, you know, when we watch, we'll see a guy play and we're like, why is he not getting more burn? Yeah. Like, why is, and then it gets in and you give him like some extended minutes. He has a great game and then it goes mm -hmm. back minutes six minutes and you bring up a good point if you look at a box score if somebody gets 10 to 12 minutes but they're getting two minutes here four minutes here how do you get your rhythm what what yeah. and yeah. the only time only chance you get the warm-up is at halftime and the beginning of the game right. so and you got to think the warm-up in the beginning of the game is what 10 minutes you know what i mean and the halftime is halftime it's about 10 minutes so that means you're sitting an hour and that's why it's big ups to the guys that come off the bench that can come out lights out and be ready. Those are the big time for professionals to me, because yeah. you don't get the opportunity to get loose on the court. You better come in and be already loose. You better come in and feel like you already hit your last shot. You know what I mean? So like guys, look, when I tell you it's, it's a, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar business and you got to put the product out there that the people want to see, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's just really what it is. And like with you, you got caught up behind some aging point guards, but were established point guards, like had yep. Hall of Fame resumes, like a Gary Payton. And, 100%. You know, for those, it's like, wouldn't you want to build towards your future? But some businesses get caught up in the jersey sales or, you know, what, yep. what's the sexy pick or the pop, yep. popular pick or the loyal pick. And I totally get that. And I mean, for you, unfortunately, especially Boston, that's kind of what happened, it seemed like. Yep. I mean, like you look at it like this, man. I, I, and nothing against GP, but GP never wanted to be in Boston. Right. Like me, I could have ended my career in Boston and been a Celtic all my life. I could have stayed in Miami all my life. I could have stayed in Toronto all my life. I could have stayed in Minnesota my entire career. But like I said, it doesn't work like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, they're going to put the guy who in there sells the tickets, sells the jerseys. You know, and I can remember at one time I'm in, when we were in the Celtics, um, like I was playing well, you know what I mean? Like we were getting in the playoffs. I was in the playoffs the first two years and GP refused to play behind me. You understand? That's why he ended up getting traded and going to Miami because, you know, the organization was trying to head in a different direction and, and, you know, be younger. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? I guess I'll go, you know, when it's like, man, like that affected like pretty much my whole entire career because I never got a chance to get that experience. You know, like a lot of guys get drafted and they roll the ball out there and you're able to make mistakes as you go. Yeah. I never got that. I got drafted to the Celtics. They want to win now. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And and that's just how it is. I mean, like it, it's, it's tough, man. It's a t very, very tough business. You definitely have to be mentally stable, like I said, and have that family support. Your agent has to be rock solid. And, you know, for me, like even when I finished in – 2012 ish like guys don't know i pretty much gave up because i was tired of the bullshit yeah. you know what i mean like i went overseas to play for five years when you got to think look at look at how the guys are getting back into the league now you understand they get they're like if i leave this team i'll go play for that team back then that was frowned upon playing for multiple teams they call you a journeyman well, if you look at Jamal Crawford now, or guys like they didn't play for every single team in the league. <laughs> right. So it doesn't even matter anymore, right? Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and, and like I said, it's just different. You got superstars changing teams now. So, you know, when does it, like, it just changed a lot. It, it's just been very, very different. And, you know, only thing I can say to the young guys now, man, it's everything in the world you thought that it would be, but it's everything you don't want it to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because it's a lot of politics involved in it. But like I said, man, I had the best time in my life. I wouldn't change it for nothing in the world. You know, that's the reason why I'm the person I am now. The Like, you know, the, the, the father I am now is because, you know, the NBA helped mold me, you know what I mean, while I was, you know, young and growing up. So let me let me ask you a question before we talk about your overseas play, because we're interested mm -hmm. in that for sure. This might be a question you might not have ever been asked, but I'm curious after talking with you, during the time you played, if you could have the choice to play on any of the, any team you wanted to in the NBA, what team would you have chosen? I wish that Laker trade would have would have would have went through. Yeah, you know, and the reason why is because that team wanted me. Like, if you go back and look at all the articles and stuff, like before I even left UNLV, Mitch Kupchak and those guys they were flying an hour flight to come and watch UNLV games. And I didn't even know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kobe coming like by him, you know, coming down, recruiting me like they were trying to get me there. Because if you think about it, look at it now, the Lakers haven't really had a true point guard in since the beginning of time. Think about it. Not Steve Nash. They caught Steve Nash at the end of his, you know, career stint. We're talking magic is the last the last point guard right so derek, like i said derek, derek fisher maybe he wasn't a point guard derek right. fisher was a setup guard come down get rid of the ball get to the corner and knock a shot down well he's guys a, look, he's I'm a, a triangle creative, point guard i'm a creative point guard like i can i don't need a, a play call i can get my money and when i say my money like my buckets on the defense end you know what i mean i can create uh, fast breaks. I was faster. I was, you know what I mean? So that was, that would have been the perfect place for me for the simple fact of I do well with guys like Kobe Bryant. Like if you notice before he passed and God rest his soul, he was labeled like kind of one of the tougher guys to play on the team with. You guys remember, like a lot of guys was like, it was tough. Like look at Dwight Howard. Yeah, he wanted to, he left 50 million, 40 million dollars on the table to, to, to leave because Kobe Bryant was too tough on him. Well, he was like Kobe was like Michael Jordan in that sense. Guess what? I was dying for somebody like that. Right. Like, do you understand? I'm, I'm a tough kid. Like, I always wanted that that to be coached tough. I didn't, I didn't mind you yelling at me. It's a game. It's a basketball game. Right. You understand? Like, at the end of the day, if that that will get the best out of me. But if you're not saying anything to me or not giving me any kind of feedback on what I'm doing or taking the time out to show me, like I've never been here before. I didn't know what a pick and roll was and how to run it the right way before I got in the NBA. I was playing off raw talent. Right. And but like, like I said, I know that if I would have went to the Lakers with having Kobe there and having Derek Fisher and those guys there, I would have learned so, so much. And that's no disrespect to – all the other greats that I play with because I, I play with some, you know, unbelievable guys. Right. Right. Hey, real quick on this one, just cause I'm thinking about what you were talking about earlier when, when he was recruiting you, you didn't know it. Uh -huh. how, how competitive were those pool games? 
between you and him. Man, we were, listen, you guys know what time Boston closed. It closed about 1 o'clock, right? Right. We are in the rack, man, to about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I think that very following day, he must have gave us – him and Paul went up. I think he had like 40. I think Paul had like 30. But, man, we were in there back and forth. Bet you're not going to hit this shot. You know, I'm from Vegas, guys. I'm going to gamble a little bit with you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, we know. So, like, and you know Kobe's a competitor. So at the end of the day, like, it, it was fun. But when I tell you, man, we were in there bouncing off the walls in that place. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, you because you think that, like, you hear that about Mike, where mm -hmm. Mike was just competitive in anything. And yep. I, the true guys, I don't think you, you turn it off. I don't think you can turn it off. You know no. what I mean? Listen, bro, even now, I'm the same competitive, you know what I'm saying? Com right. Competitive player, competitive person. Like, who wants to lose? I don't. It don't matter who you is. I don't know any kid. I see babies crying when they don't get what they wanted or if they lose, you know, in a, in a race or whatever. Like, so, like, if you're just a winner and you normally, you're used to winning and you're used to, you know, competing and doing it at a high, like, man, it's like, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And speaking of different, I, I want to ask about your overseas experience real quick because you got a Greek League championship and cup, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I mean my God. I got maybe 10. <laughs> yeah. like, that, that's the crazy thing. Like, you, if you want to go back and not even to cut you off, and we're going to build on that overseas, but look at how many championships I actually missed. Yeah. Like, watch this. Well, I got traded to the Lakers, and I, I left there, right? They won three in a row. Okay? Left it. Before, remember, the Celtics got one. I got traded from Boston to Minnesota. Yeah. KG leaves and go down there. That's four. Remember, I played for Miami. Yeah. I left. I was the trade. Me and Sean Marion left the year to get Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal forced everything to get LeBron. They were empty out, emptying out the contracts then. Think about it. Miami won two. Right? So right now, that's six already. Right? So now who else was a team? I played for Toronto. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. you got you would be like, well, damn, like Mark, like you would have had <laughs> shit. You'd have been a goat right now. Like, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, like, man, I, I definitely look back and I, and you know it everything's ha happens for a reason, but like I take definitely take everything that I've been through and it's a learning experience, guys. And you know, I don't I don't take it, I don't take it for granted. But I also don't take it to heart to where it, it becomes hate, you know, because guess what? I'm, I'm just like, in, we wasn't supposed to be here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's 1% of the people that can go to the NBA. It's only 30, 30 contracts a year that's guaranteed. And that's the first round. Second round is not even guaranteed. Yep. Yeah. So I got the opportunity, man, to come out in one of the greatest classes ever, be on the team. Like, I didn't play in all the great cities. You know what I mean? Like, Toronto. Um, I, I've lived in L.A. all my life when it comes to that. I'm from Las Vegas. I played for the Heat. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just – I played with the Suns. Like, all those places were great places, and they were learning experiences for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was solid. And what was your question to uh, get back to the, the overseas thing? We can definitely dig into that. <laughs> I was just going to say, I actually have two questions about – but the first one I want to ask is how special is it to win the championships overseas? Because I know those fans are very passionate over there. So, I mean, compared to – obviously you didn't get an NBA championship, but compared uh -huh. to overseas, I mean, how does that rank to maybe a championship in the States? So, 
So when I went when I went overseas, man, I, I got an opportunity to go and play for Panathinaikos. So if you know Panathinaikos, that's like the Boston Celtics of overseas. Yeah. Right. So their facility seats um, twenty thousand people, and you know their their soccer team is which is amazing too. They got a, a hundred thousand um, um, seating uh, facility too is uh, arena. Yeah. So. I went from the NBA to playing in front of 20,000 people. Um, and it, it was fun. But guess what, man? When I tell you it was the craziest shit I ever seen in my life. <laughs> and and what makes me say that is, look, they shoot fireworks in the gym. <laughs> okay? So you got to imagine, we're prissy, little prissy NBA players, right? You go overseas and you think it's just basketball. It's not. Yeah. It's these people's lives. Like, yeah. playing for... Panathinaikos and going against Olympiacos, it really was like gang related. So like, if if I wore red or anything like that, like, you know, I would get the owner would come to me and like, hey, you you can't wear red around here. We only wear green. So you got to think those guys, the 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 police over there, like, not SWAT, but I um, what did, what are they called over there? But anyways. <laughs> They they drove us to the game every game. We we were like man, we were super celebrities over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it was tough. And and like to get back to the question, it was just an, as as amazing as it was to win a championship here. But the yeah. only thing is over there, man, you're playing for ten championships in one season. So you yeah. got to think it's the Greek Cup, it's the Greek Championship. Then you got Euro League. Then you have like um, just regular cups. So you can accomplish maybe like four or five championships in one season. So I got a chance. I won Greek Cup. I won um, Greek League. We won that. Uh, what else did we win? We went to the Euro League. We took second. We lost to Barcelona um, in the final four. So, like, we, we man, like, we had a, a really, really good team over there. You know what I mean? But, like, when I tell you playing for those fans, man, it was probably the best experience in my life. Like, I'd I be laughing at, you know, the little fans here. You know, a guy gets up, and he slams dunk from the free throw line, and you get the, you know, <laughs> you know the little regular clap, man. But over there, oh, my God. You might get, a, a, man, a bomb might go off in the in the, in the gym. Like, they're shooting bottle rockets across the, 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 the whole arena, man. And you're like, what is going on? Isn't this illegal? Yeah. But it wasn't, guys, look. We played in a net. We played in a literal, like, our court had a net that goes up around the court so fans can't throw things on the court and at the referees and stuff. Like, could you imagine playing in that kind of high-style environment? No. Like, no, it, no look, when I tell you it turned you into a man ASAP, if yeah. you had anything soft about you, you couldn't do that and go over there because they see they smell that weakness. Yeah. And you know what? They can say what they want over there. They do what they want over there. Like, it's, it's not the way it is over here. Like, their fans are really, really – they go hard over there. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's crazy because every, everybody wants to label Europeans as soft, and then you talk about that, and it's just like, nope, they've gone through quite a bit of shit. But, like, my, that was going to be my next question was, what's the craziest shit you've ever seen overseas? But I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. So. <laughs> yeah, man, no, it, it was it – was, it, man, look, I had an amazing time because, like I said, I lived in Athens. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's just one of the places, like, I got a chance to play in Lebanon. 
You know what I mean? I got a chance to play in, uh, of course, Paris. Uh, I played for a team called Nancy down there. Um, that was amazing, living down there. So then I went to Qatar. You know, I played over there a little bit. Um, so I got a chance to live in the nice places. Qatar is the richest country in the world. And it's, and it's all free, basically. You're getting free vacations. You know what I mean? That's what, And guess what? Mentally, that's what I did, man. I took my whole family over there. Like we were over there living the European life and whatever. So I didn't get a chance to, and I don't want to say um, live that life in the NBA because, you know, it's, shit is 10 star, everything. You know what I mean? The hotel from the hotels and, you know, the, the weather and this and that, being in different cities, because it's definitely every country over there is third world country. Like, you know, like different things, like you have to have a roommate on the road. And think about it, guys. Look, I'm a grown man. I got wife and kids. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, why am I roommating with this this guy? And yeah. like, and, and this is the thing. You have bunk beds. Like, and you just take the top bunk off and set it in it. But I'm sharing a toilet with a grown man. Right. After I have to like, you gotta understand, man, it's it's so the culture is so different. You know what I mean? Like you're over there and imagine it's 10 hours time difference here. So when do you, like my kids are going to school and you know, it, it's, it's 10 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, but over here it's, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? So it, it, you, you just, you miss so much. You sacrifice so much to be over there. And not even only that, man, they only allow two Americans on each team. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so it's not like, you know, how the NBA is. If you're good enough to play is good. No. We're getting a guard and we're going to get a big man. And if you don't come over there and do exactly what you're supposed to do over there, they're going to get you out of there that week. And then write a bad article like, you know what? This guy came over here. He wasn't in shape. You know, he didn't really want to be here. And then that can hurt you as far as getting back. But like, man, the culture, it's, it's really different. You got to be built completely different to play overseas and I'll be the first person to tell you that like you got to go over there with the mentality like I'm going to get it's a paid vacation yeah but I mean granted you save your body like right now like I, I haven't had any injuries anything like that but we play a game a week you know what I mean in the NBA I'm playing five games a week I'm on a plane every other night I'm living in a hotel no overseas you're playing a game a week yeah. and that's maybe Friday Saturday something like that you don't really travel like, we, we'll be in Greece, and then you, you, they'll be like, okay, well, you're going to uh, Lithuania. It's an hour flight. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and you're switching countries instead of cities over there. So that was a fun thing. Like, we're playing against Barcelona. Oh, you know what? It's a couple-hour flight to, to go be in Spain. And then now it's the, you know, that's when the life becomes fun because, you know, you get a chance to see things you never had before, you know, do different things. So, man, it... It has its ups and downs on both sides, for sure. Let me ask you two questions because I'm super curious about this. Um, uh -huh. Now, the first one question would be, how much did you have to alter your game going over there? Um, right? Did you have to alter it quite a bit? And and you picked up, I'm assuming you picked up some stuff up over there mm -hmm. you know, to add to your game. But did you have to alter it quite a bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. I hated it. Yeah. Hated it. And I'm going to tell you why. Well, if I tell you they only allow two Americans, right? And you know how our handle is better. 
you know, like our physical attributes are way better. We're more athletic. We're this, we're that, right? Over there, you can't, it's no like, so say you do a, a, a one dribble pull up. Over there, they make you put the ball on the ground first before you can even move your feet or they'll call travel. So I was over there doing the stuff that I do in the league, like ripping through and just going to the bet. It's travel every single time. So it took a while. You got to think I built my game over the last 20 plus years. And then when you go overseas, you have to re-reset everything mentally. You know what I'm saying? How you, how you do things. And then on top of that, man, um, I played for like none of the coaches speak English. So could you imagine you having an American point guard and, you know, usually the point guard is, is the extension of the coach on the floor. Right. General. Well, if I can't go to you and be like, hey, coach, um, what would you like for me to call? What play would you like me to run? Like, it's no understanding. Like, it's, it's different. I need a translator to even talk to the players on my team, guys. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So don't get it misunderstood, man. It's so it's so different. Like mentally, like I told you, you have to be ready for it. And you know what? That's the reason why I told you I, I, I took my family over there with me. Yeah. I mean, because that's the only way, like, the strong survive. Like, you got to have some kind of outlet to help you out. Here, here's my second question, because we talked business earlier. Uh -huh. Com compare the business side of it to the NBA. You said it was about 80% business in the NBA. What would you consider it over there? No business. No business. <laughs> nope. Like, man, look, I went over there. They, they, they pretty much pay you in cash. Okay. Okay. Like here, you know, you're going to get direct deposit, this, this, that. Like they take care of you. You know yeah. what I mean? Over there, like I came over there and we had a guy, you know, Hilton Armstrong. He played for a New Orleans, matter of fact. You remember him, right? Mm -hmm. he, he actually had the apartment and he didn't play well. So they swapped me out for him, right? Man, when I tell you this guy was over there living like he was homeless and he was getting maybe $100,000 a month. Wow. You know what I'm like? And, and that's over there. Like, that was like, that, that's solid. That's good money, right? You over there 10 months out of a year, like $100,000 cash a month with no, like, like you didn't have to pay no taxes and stuff like that. Like, they had him living like, uh, uh, like he was homeless over there. You know what I mean? Like, Everything it's just it's it's completely different. And like I said, I'm sure, you know, it I hope in a million years that it's getting better now. Um, but like it it, it was it was definitely different. For yeah. Sure. And you know, speaking of different, you played in the big three and uh -huh. I mean it's awesome for fans to watch, but also looks like you guys have a lot of fun with the two. It kind of has an old school basketball feel to it because you guys can really beat the shit out of each other, which seems to fit you well since you're so damn strong and defensive minded. Uh, but, I mean, how do you like it? I mean, how do, how do you like um, the big three, and are we going to see you back? Well, you know what, man? Look, I love basketball, and, of course, I'm I'm still in shape, you know, to play. But, you know, it becomes a time, man. Guys, look, I've been – I got drafted in 03. This is 2020. Yeah. You understand? Like, I got kids, you know, uh, 11, 12, 13. You know what I'm saying? Like, my kids are into sports. They're into they're, – they're in that middle part of – you know, going to school and stuff like, look, I've been away for long enough. You know what I mean? Of course, the big three is good and it's a 10 week league. Um, but it's not guys don't take it as serious. Like you is no, it's no, it's not really practice. You don't have practice like that. 
you know, um, you pretty much have to come and get in shape, you know, on your own, um, you know, but it's good to be around all the guys in one city rather than, you know, you got to travel to see Allen Iverson over here or you got to travel to see, you know, these guys, Stephen Jackson and these guys, you know, over. no, we, we flew to the same city. We stayed in the same hotel. And, you know, that was the great thing about it. Uh, it was pretty much like All-Star Weekend every weekend. Yeah, like so you got to think these guys are happy to get out the house, too, as well. So it's parties in every city. It's, you know, what I mean, that guys are reliving that that moment again, going to dinner, you know, every single night at a crazy restaurant. And like I said, man, the, the money was is for a 10 week league, you know, to make 100, 100 plus thousand dollars. Like that's it's amazing. But, yeah. you know, like I said, man, those that's for guys that are still chasing it. You know, um, I have bigger fish to fry. And, you know, like it's, it's other things, you know, that can be done that I want to do with with my life. You know what I mean? Because I've been playing basketball, man, when I tell you since I was five, six, seven years old, playing football, being on a sport, you know, playing a sport, all this. Like I, I want to do other things in my life. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So like for me, like it's amazing. Of course, I would get out there for a 10 week league. That's two months mess around but if i'm doing it i'm doing it for my son my daughters you know what i'm saying because it gives them the opportunity i say they're 10 and 11 12 they didn't get a chance to they seen they were there you know in that time but it's different now because like i said ice cube gave us a opportunity and platform to where it's more of a family thing and you can actually have your family there you know your family sitting on the court we're still playing in front of 10 to fifteen thousand fans in the stands so what is the difference? You know what I'm saying? Besides the money, but think about it. If they was paying these guys, it's only six on the team. What if they was paying the guys a million dollars a year, um, you know, for that? You know, I think the talent got to get better. Um, yeah, it's cool having the old guys there, but, you know, the younger guys got to play. And the difference is they no one knows the younger guys. Yeah. So you got to actually build a league up. And, and now this is going on. Well, at the time before the corona and all that stuff hit, um, this would be the third year. You know what I mean? And it, it was getting better, but the league is getting younger. So you got to think they open it up to overseas guys. Well, who here knows any overseas guys? Right. You know what I mean, so it's kind of hard. You're in a slippery slope. Do you just do all NBA guys or ex-NBA guys? Or where do you do the cutoff? Is it three years? You have to play at least three, four years in the NBA or – you could be a drink, a cup of coffee guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they just got to figure that part out. But, but definitely, man, I, I, I definitely say they need, they need another league. Cause you guys got to think, man, it's over 500 division ones in the world. Um, what happens to those guys if they don't go overseas? Remember it's only two guys on the team. Yeah. What happens to all those guys that can really play basketball. If you don't make it to the NBA. You know what I mean? And and say you don't have the mental to even go overseas, like what happens? So it's definitely, I think they, they need to come up with another league. Um, these guys need to get paid some money. So I think they're doing a good thing to have the G League and coming up, these guys making a couple hundred thousand dollars. I think that's an amazing situation. These guys can stay here in the States and still make, you know, as much as a doctor or a lawyer will make, you know what I mean? A couple hundred thousand a year. Like, I think that's amazing. But, you know, just a couple things have to be you know, reconstructed and, you know, done differently. And, you know, I think that league can be a, a good league here, you know, here to stay for a while. 
You know, I think you bring up a great point, and I agree with you, and I've talked about this on the pod, where it's like if you want to get back into the NBA, you have to go overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Why isn't there like a triple A, a double A, like baseball? You know what I mean? Where you can stay in the States and then if a guy wants to get called up, he's just getting called. Do you know see what I'm saying? And I don't hundred a hundred and ten percent. You know, hundred and ten percent, you're hundred percent right. Like it's 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 no other way. And like I said, guys, it's the it's two rounds in the NBA. Yeah. It's thirty guys in the first round, that's guaranteed. The second round is not guaranteed. So what they're doing, all these guys are just inside of a, a hat. And they randomly pulling out and think about it, 32 teams, there's only one guy maybe needed. But what happened to the other players? Yep. And that's why you get a lot of guys, you know, doing a lot of other stuff that they shouldn't be doing and had great college careers. You'd be like, well, what happened to this guy? Oh, man, you know what? He's in jail or he's whatever. Because there's there's no opportunity for these kids out here. You know what I mean? And people don't know enough about overseas. It's the business. The business aspect of it is, you see a lot of guys, and it's almost like a crapshoot in the in the top half of the draft. Yeah, you got a guy that's not mature enough yet. Maybe you yeah, got for sure. Guy, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, double A, triple A gives a guy a chance to develop in 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 the country, and then if he's developing really good, like the G League, yeah, you have a tiered, then they can pick from that league and go, all right, you know, this guy's doing really good. Let's bring him up. 10 day mm-hmm. contract, you know, like they do, but I don't, I just, I don't understand why they don't do it. You know what I think they need? First of all, they need to put more money. Like you got these billion dollar organizations. Each team is damn near worth 500, 600, $700 million in the NBA. Right. Guys throw the G league. Every team should have a G league team. Yeah. Right. And which that's not really the case. And look at the cities that they put in these G league teams in <laughs> Iowa, North Dakota, like, yeah, like no, it, with you, and then you're not even giving these guys enough money to to play on the team. Like I played, I played in the G League, man, for one year, and and like I said, like it was the toughest time that I that I ever been through in my life. Like we traveled from city to city on buses yeah. or in vans, and the players drove the vans. Wow. Like I played on, I played on a team. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the guys I played on the team with: Ricky Davis. Um, I played with Antoine Walker, uh, Tony Bobbitt, and a couple other young guys. Right? They had oh, Mikey Moore. Mikey Moore and Antoine was driving the vans across the, and I'm sitting there like, wait a minute. So for me, they thought that you know I was prissy because I'm like, nah. You know, I, I love my family. My family loves me. It's storming outside. I'm not going to trust Mikey Moore and Antoine Walker <laughs> to drive me so damn where when I can get on a plane, it's going to take me 37 minutes to get there. You right. know what I mean? Like, what the hell, guys? And, and you know, it's just that, that kind of thing where the drop-off, you got the NBA, you got some guys making. Think about it. You, Giannis about to sign a contract for a billion dollars, right? Right. And you got guys that plays in the G League that play the same game as this guy. They're they're paying these guys. At the time we were there, fifteen hundred dollars a month, three thousand dollars a month. And you're going from being there to the NBA down to that. It's that's like- why no no guy. That's why like for me, I didn't try to get back in the NBA. Yeah. 
Like, and, and it wasn't that I, I didn't have the ability or I couldn't play or whatever, whatever. It's just no funnel to get you back. Like I refused to, to, to take what that, and it's like, oh, they want you to, you know, kind of dummy down and grind. Man, listen, we have to live first. You have to be comfortable living. Then you can get more out of the athlete, you know, a focus and this. But how can you focus when, guys, this is our job, right? I might as well work at damn McDonald's if I want to make $2,500 for the month. Isn't that crazy? When you That's, no, it's, it's unbelievable. Now they're finally trying to do something about it. You know why? Because LeVar Ball, LeVar Ball kind of showed them the way. Like, hey, I'm going to pay these kids $10,000 a month. So it made the NBA look like kind of like, well, we, we, we need to up our prices. So now if you notice, they're not even this year, starting maybe next year, they're paying these kids. You can make a living playing in the G League. You know what I'm saying? Which is a couple, about two, three hundred thousand dollars. Well, I tell you what, guys, if that's what it was, I would have stayed in shape for the last 10 years to be a basketball player in the G League if that was the case. Right, right. You know what I mean? And then you'd be like, well, what's taking them so long, Mark? I don't know. You, you know, know what I mean? Time is everything, I guess. Well, they, they, like you said, they weren't challenged. So, yeah, but- they wasn't. Nobody challenged them. 100% right. You don't have to worry about it. It's, it's almost yep. like NBA stories we hear from some of the guys like that, like Swen Nader we had on, and he played in the NBA, ABA, and he was telling us stories like, you know, guys getting traded for, like, washing machines and stuff. Yeah, you know? man. Oh, my God. It's like, like, why would you want to get traded from, it? like, I'm telling you, man, the, the D-League, and, and, I, and I play well in the D-League. And, and, you know, like, look at it. How many guys you think get called up from the D-League? Yeah, not many at all. Not many. Not many. Jeremy Lin, you know. There you and, and think about it. That was so long ago. Yeah. That you understand? Like, how many guys have you noticed got caught up? Okay, you got um, Caruso now. You know what I mean? For the Lakers, you, he's, a, he's a guy. Uh, what was the older guy? He got called up. You know, that guy was down there killing in the G League for all his life, and they finally gave him an opportunity to come up and play in the NBA. And then you got to make the squad because it's a 10-day contract. A 10-day contract. Guys, come on. In 10 days, I'm going to put it to you like this. First of all, you don't even practice in the NBA. There's no such thing as practice. Right. You only play 82 games. So think about it. It's more practice time than it is game time. And you might practice – like we practice, man, in Phoenix, maybe 40 minutes. And that's what you do with your son. Like, hey, son, go spot up. Right. Catch and shoot. You know, you got guys running on a treadmill after practice to stay in shape because you don't really get that. You might practice live one time a week and you grew up playing this game like that. And, you know, like I said, for me, it's a lot of games to be played 82 in the regular season. But nothing changes because, you know, everything is just – it's still there. It's just old school, man. They just need to fix it. That's the only thing I can say. Hey, yeah. tell us about the M- the MB3 Basketball Academy that you run. Um, so, you know, MB3 is pretty much, um, you know, a one-stop shop, you know, in which, you know, I'm opening up a facility here in Vegas, 40,000 square feet. Um, could you imagine, you know, when we growing up, right, um, and it wasn't no such thing as really training and getting ready and, you know, for, you know, college or anything that you're preparing for. So what we did was come up with, uh, um, a one-stop shop. So just imagine being able to train, 
if you get hurt, instead of your parents have to drive all the way across the city to find a good doctor or whatever, like we have a full medical staff inside of the facility. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So now it's giving the kids an opportunity to train like a professional athlete, but it starts at fifth grade. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, we're, we're just, we're giving them every single resource that you can imagine. You know, they, they actually let us um, do the, the curriculum where, you know, you want to teach kids about things that matters in life, right? So you'll be like, well, well, Mark, what would you be talking about when you say that? Well, I've been in the NBA, you know, for a, a great amount of time in my life. So you'd be like, well, what is one of the things that, you know, you would focus on? For me, financial literacy. And yeah. think about it. When I came out, I didn't have anyone to be like, hey, man, don't spend your money like this or don't do that. Or, you know, take your time and do things later. Maybe, maybe before you buy that car this year, wait two years down the line. So, you know, and that's why a lot of guys have went, went broke because you don't have anyone to tell you, you know, the right things. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's not even only that. It's mentorship. Um, you know, and we just giving these kids, man, an opportunity to, to get the training of a professional athlete and college athlete at a younger age, we're teaching them injury prevention. You know what I mean? Like a lot of guys get hurt, but you know, that's because of they don't get the right training until they get to the NBA. And then by then think about it. If you walk in a certain way, it's been pressure on you all your life. And then now you want to correct it when you get to, you know, a, a league or whatever, where they can actually teach you. And sometimes it's too late. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, um, yeah, that's that MB3 is pretty much like a one-stop shop for everything. So we got basketball, football, baseball, soccer, hockey, Pilates. Oh wow. Um nice. anything you can think of. We actually even put in synthetic ice inside of the facility because you know, of course, Vegas is is huge now because the hockey is taking over. Yep. Yep. You know, and then we just got the Raiders there. So our main um um main uh, physical therapist guy, he's the one of the Raiders head physical trainers. Wow. So like we have that kind of situation here. You guys heard of IMG Academy, right? It's, it's located. Yeah. We're going to be that in Las Vegas times 10. Nice. You know what I'm saying? With the resources and stuff like that. So it's going to be really cool, man. Well, and you're hitting at the right, the right time. You're, I mean, the, I got buddies that live in Vegas and like the golden Knights is like yep. crazy. The support they got. The yep. Really- you know, we don't know about the the Raiders yet, but but we will know next year when they get to go into that stadium with the fans. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's becoming. You know, when I was younger, I remember you couldn't bet on sports if because you remember, it remember? absolutely. And then that, and I always thought they were never going to get a pro team because of that. And then when those things start changing, and and then when they got mm-hmm. the support, it's like it's amazing. There's no, you know, so. Uh-huh. So perfect timing on that, man. Congrats on that. We want to do a Thank quick you. lightning round with you. And it's just basically a one or two word answer to a couple questions we're going to ask you. And uh, Zach, you want to take it away? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first question is, who's the one coach that had the biggest impact on your career? Ooh. Man, that's so tough. Um, I would have to say, and I haven't talked to this guy literally in maybe 20, 25 years. And he wouldn't even know that I would even give him this credit. And he was a guy by the name of Kermit Williams. Um, And he was like 
probably the first guy that that let me, you know, play basketball and, you know, kind of be myself out there and supported me. You know, this guy I'm talking picked me up for practice, took me home, fed me, you know, because my, my parents didn't have, you know, enough time for all that or whatever. So I would say Kermit Williams, Kermit Williams. And, and it was way before high school. I'm talking maybe 9, 10, 11 years old. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, who's the one guy who taught you how to be a true professional? Mm, Vin Baker, uh, when he was with the Celtics, um, you know, he, he just – it, he just told me one thing that that kind of stuck with me, you know, my entire life. And don't get it misconstrued. I've, I've had a bunch of great guys and I don't want anyone to feel that they wasn't a part of my success because me, I'm the kind of guy I am. I give everyone credit. You know, it, it costs me nothing to, you know, show some love. But, um, yeah, I would have to say Ben Baker, um, you know, uh, when before he left the Celtics, um, you know, with his issue or whatnot, he was like, young fella, let me tell you something. He's like, every day you're not in the gym. He was like, you're losing money. And me not understanding that at that time, you know what I mean? Like, I understand it now. And it's, st it's stuck with me since, you know, 2003. Wow. That's awesome. So, yep. Um, who is your toughest cover? Um. It, it was maybe maybe two guys, man, and, and those two guys was, of course, Allen Iverson and, um, you know, Baron Davis. And, you know, like I'm kind of a cross-tween in between those guys. Um, Allen Iverson, man, because he knew how to manipulate the hell out of the game and the referees and, you know, of course, he was 155 soaking wet, so you can blow on him and he was acting like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um he was so tough. And, you know, also, like I said, man, every time we played those guys, he's one guy that had my heart pumping, you know what I'm saying? Like speed racer before we even got into the game because of, you know, who he was. And like I said, man, I seen what he did to Michael Jordan and, you know, all the other guys. And, you know, he was one of those guys. And, you know, the other guy was, of course, Baron Davis because he was all of that in one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Physical, fast, quick, really athletic. Um, you know, so yeah, definitely those two guys. What what about the funniest teammate? Who's the funniest teammate you had? Funniest teammate, wow. Mm, I would probably be the funniest. I think I was a funny guy. <laughs> like I, I had a lot of fun, man. I I I you know, we stayed laughing, you know, you know, saying little jokes and little things like that. Um but if I can go back. My guess would be Ricky Davis. That'd be my guess. Man, Rick D was the craziest. <laughs> if you said, see, if that was the, the question, should have been switched to the craziest man. Like <laughs> Rick D was the craziest teammate I have. I've never seen a guy. Man, we on the plane. We're flying back. It's a six-hour flight, East Coast to West Coast. So everybody's on the plane sleep, and this damn Ricky Davis is walking through the plane with a with his own bottle of Patron. Right. <laughs> so he's. I'm like. I'm sitting there sleeping. I think one of the coaches was like, Rick D, do you ever sleep on the plane? This guy was like, no, nah, not me. I sleep <laughs> when I'm dead is what he said. So I was, I was like, you know what, Rick D, you got it, man. Like he was one of the craziest, man, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, my last one, what's your favorite basketball memory if you had to pick one? Um, just my experience, man, in my life, 
having an opportunity, you know, to play the game that I love, you know, and to actually take care of my family and do different things that, you know, and have different things that we didn't have growing up. So as far as um, that, that would be, that would be it. Um, anything you'd like to add or promote? Um, no, man, just pretty much, you know, uh, go follow my, my Instagram page, you know, mb3basketball.com. Um, what else? Um, MB3 Basketball Academy, you know, just come, just come on and support official in banks, um, you know, and you, you're going to see some great stuff. Hey, I want to say thank you so much for being so candid and just having a good time with you. I mean, like you said, when we started the interview, let's just have some fun. And we really did tonight. Um, thank you. Zach, is there anything you want to add before we let uh, Marcus out of here? I just want to say thank you. You're somebody that I always admired when I was, you know, playing in high school and college, uh, always admired your defense. And, uh, you know, we're from Reno, Nevada. So we always heard a lot about you when you're in Vegas. So it's really awesome to finally be able to, you know, talk basketball with you. So thanks for being wow. so gracious and, you know, uh, best of luck moving forward. Yeah, man. Thank you. I want to thank you guys, man, for having me. I'm sorry it took so long, man, but we've been, you know, grinding like crazy trying to, you know, get all this stuff up and running. Um, and I and I definitely got appreciate you guys for the platform and the time that you guys are spending. And if you guys ever need anything, man, like just holler. Um, I definitely want to send you guys some shirts, Love it. Um, you know, some some stuff from the academy and things like that. And if you guys definitely want to come and check out the, you know, the grand opening or whatever you want to do, a tour of the facility, like, you know, we're having that kind of stuff too as well. Um, so yeah, just let me know anything. And I'm always here, man. Anytime you guys want to get on or whatever, like I enjoy, you know, you know, telling stories about, you know, my, my career and the past that I've come up doing, you know, having, and it's good for these young kids, man, to get an opportunity to, you know, hear some of these things too, as well. For, for sure. sure. Yeah, I'm going to take you up on that because my whole family is Henderson. So Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Look, we family now, man. We're family. So, look, bring it. Bring it. I got it for you guys. I appreciate that so much. Hey, sure. Uh, one other thing real quick. Lakers or Heat? Now, you know I played on both of those teams, man. So, that would be a biased-ass question, right? <laughs> right, right? I mean, okay, so I'll tell you what. I'll go this far because LeBron, LeBron James is, of course, in my draft class, and I want everybody to know eventually, right, Michael Jordan's going to be forgotten about. Okay. Uh, LeBron is going to be the GOAT. Of course, he's going, he's already hawking everybody numbers down. Okay. I want to see the Lakers do it for the simple fact of, you know, this has been a tough year for, 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 um, you know, Kobe Bryant and his family, the Lakers organization. Um, and, you know, I think this would be something great, you know, for that, for that organization to look forward to, you know, for the future, um, of course, with losing uh, a legend, you know, like Kobe Bryant to, you know, something as tragic as it was. Um, so, like, I, I'm, I'm pushing more, you know, for the Lakers, but I wouldn't even be mad if Miami, you know, done their thing as well, because, you know, that, like, of course, I played for Pat Riley um, when he was a coach. So I got an opportunity for that uh, and Coach Spo. So, and, you know, I'm really, you know, good friends with all those guys. So, Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, in the middle, but like, of course, I, I would take, you know, the Lakers or whatever, because, you know, Vegas didn't have a team. We don't have a team. So it's the closest team to us. Right. Right. Yeah. Until, yeah. You, until you get one. Until we get one. And it's, <laughs> and it's coming soon. Remember, I, I told you guys that. It would not surprise me, especially if the Raiders do as well as I think they're going to do there for sure. 
Yeah. And Marcus, enjoy your week, man. Stay safe. And thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank you guys, man, for having me. And as much love, man, to you and your family. Hey, man, stay safe with this COVID stuff going around, man. Yeah, man. Hey, you too. You too. That's for sure. The best to you, your, you and your family also. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Take care. All right. Later. That was awesome, man. Just what a great guy. So gracious of his time. So much good information. Um, that that's tough to beat, man. He was he was incredible. I love Marcus Banks. He came in right away with that attitude of like, let's just have some fun. And I knew as soon as he said that, I was like, we're going off script. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I know we're going off script because it's like he wanted to talk. And 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 the thing was that I like about him and a lot of the guests that we've had, and we're going to keep it short because we had a long interview, is that he cares about the kids. That facility sounds unbelievable, and I'm super taking him up on that next time I'm in town and visit my oh, oh, I'm there. Yeah, let's let's make a trip. Let's let's make it happen. Sure, man. That would be amazing. But it's like it's like he gets it. And that's what I like about pretty much every guest we have, they get it. And and I think that's why they give us the time because they know that you know we love basketball and you know, look at this as a, a new podcast coming up, and we are coming up, and and I just want to say real quick before we get out of here too like the subscribing everything that's been happening like it's amazing the amount of downloads we're passing it's amazing the countries we're getting charted on on itunes i i'm flabbergasted what helps and you know this and probably for all of our listeners that still listen five star review if you if you love us um and a little review too goes a long way and i mean getting a guy like marcus is amazing i mean the stories we got that you guys are going to enjoy um, and you have enjoyed because you just listened to the podcast. Um, we're grateful for it. So we just want to try to keep going up. We got some really cool guests coming up for all of our Nevada buddies. We got some uh, surprise guests from uh, back in the back in the glory, glory days of Nevada basketball. Not yeah, we're going basketball. we're going from UNLV to Nevada. So just know, bear with right? us. <laughs> no, no more facility watch for you guys. <laughs> but. Well, we got a lot of great guests and we got some surprise guests too, maybe in the works um, music wise. So that could be really interesting if that comes through, um, but it's not without your help. So thank you so much for everyone that's already done those stuff. If you haven't, man, it takes two seconds. You don't got to get an email, hit that five-star button, write a quick review and uh, man, it helps us out. We appreciate it. Um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Just can't thank Marcus enough, man. Marcus Banks is awesome. Best of luck to him and everything he's doing at the MB3 Academy. I think it's great what he's doing. So uh, just nothing but the best to him. Absolutely, man. And uh, hey, dude, it was awesome. Thanks for getting for getting Marcus, man. What a great, great, great interview tonight. And like I told like I told everybody, we got some more coming up. So stick with us. We appreciate it. Um, for Zach, I'm Eric. Not in my house. Signing out. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon.